Let's try this. This is the voiceover for a comedian <clears throat> movie trailer. Take one. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... No, I don't think so. In a land before time... It's about a comedian, Jack. One man... No... When your life is no longer your own... What, what does that mean? When everything you know is wrong... That's wrong. In an outpost... No... On the edge of space... No space... A girl... No... Two girls... No... Now... No... More than ever... Stop it... A renegade cop... Uh, I hate you... A robot renegade cop... You're fired... You're fired... No, you're actually fired. I'm fired. Get out of the booth, Jack. No, I like it in here. It's going to be a fun morning, all right, everybody? It's going to be... Welcome to At The Movies, The Robot Renegade Cop, all right? That's, what we're, that's not today's movie. You guys know the drill by now. You Week two, you guys are old pros at this. Hopefully you got your popcorn and your drink already. Come on, let's go ahead. I hear some already. Let's go ahead and open up. If you somehow missed it, you still have a chance to run and go get a drink. All right, everybody? So you get as many. Some of you are already drinking them. You're about halfway through. There it is. There's the pop. Anybody left? Let's hear it. Anybody still have? There it is. Okay. Anybody still waiting? Anybody still? We'll wait for you. Don't worry. We got you. I told you the first week these were props, and I didn't like that at all, all right? So I have my own popcorn and drink. They're not props anymore. But you know the drill. First, we start off with some movie trivia as we kick off week two of At The Movies. Last week was Pursuit of Happiness, and I had a few movie trivia things for you before. I found a few more this week, so you're welcome again for all of my hard work. Shout it out if you know the movie. Here's our first one. Okay, that's good. <laughs> That's kind of an easy one, all right. I know you know the movie. What you might not know is our character Buzz Lightyear here in early artistic sketches and drawings revealed. His original name was supposed to be, anybody know it? Lunar Larry. Come on, Lunar Larry, everybody. Come on, who had Lunar Larry on their bingo card? Anybody had? All right, so it would have changed the world as we know it. What's our next one? Shout the movie if you know it. Spider-Man. That one's a little more difficult, right? Because he's not wearing his spider This scene, if you might remember it, this is the old Spider-Man. Some of you may have never seen this Spider-Man. You have no idea who this Peter Parker is. I don't even find that. It's about the worst one. But this Peter Parker, when he catches all of these things on the tray, he says, Mary Jane, he catches them on the lunch tray. They did not CGI this scene, everybody. He actually caught all of the items. They glued the tray to his hand, but he caught all the other things. 156 takes it took to get it. I don't know why you wouldn't just CGI it at that point. Like, I'd hand draw it. I don't know. I just kind of did. All right, here's our final one. I tell you guys are excited about that one. The Hobbit. This is The Hobbit, which was 150% CGI, right? Like, this entire movie was. Except for a couple of parts, which you might not know, is they managed with The Hobbit movie to use all of the gold paint in the country of New Zealand where they were filming. Every last drop of... They had to fly in paint from Germany uh, to paint the scenes with smog in it. They ran out of gold paint in the country. 
I don't know why they didn't fly it in from Australia. It seems closer to me, but maybe, I don't know. They brought it in from Germany, and even with all of that gold, they couldn't make a good film. Come on, somebody, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> we can talk afterwards, all right? All right, in true fashion, today's film is not The Hobbit. It's not Spider-Man, all right? It's not even Toy Story, as sad as that may make all of you. Today's film has more class than any of those it's a much higher brow. I can already, some of you who have had the secret leaked to you already, you're already giggling, all right? And this one is, I'm going to introduce to you today, because a lot of you last week told me that Pursuit of Happiness made you cry. I promise you that will not be the case this morning, all right? Because today I want to introduce to you one of the greatest characters ever written, ever created, Nacho Libre. Where is he? Holy Father, please receive this man into your kingdom. Thank you for coming here today. This man lived a good life. He had a wonderful woman. A lush garden. And a collection of Russian nesting dolls. May he rest in peace. <laughs> We're going to have a fun morning this morning, all right, everybody? It's going to be it's going to be enjoyable together. I want you to know, like last week here at the Outstart, this movie is based on a true story. I don't think anybody knew that before this week. But this movie is actually based on a true story. And a friar in the 1970s named Sergio Benitez, Genitez, put that up there for me, Sergio Guterres Benitez, if we throw him up there. A friar took care of 270 orphans in a town in Mexico. And when he took over, the orphanage was struggling to find money. And so one night he had the idea designed his own costume, and became a luchador, a feared Mexican professional wrestler. 
in order to raise money for the orphans. When our movie opens, we find our character, Ignacio, he's not quite to that point yet. All right? He hasn't quite reached that level as Sergio did. But all he knows is he wants this life to be better than it is. All he knows is he's kind of stumbling through the idea of being a friar, of being a monk. He's kind of stumbling through. And so he wants a better life than what he's living right now. He seems to be on a continual pursuit for something better, something more, something different. And if his life is based on a true story, if that part, then all of our lives, honestly, I think millions of lives are based on that true story. That so many people are unhappy or aren't satisfied with their lives. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you might be, feel like you're stuck at a dead-end job. Or you might feel like you're in a very challenging marriage. Or you might feel like things aren't falling into place the way you always dreamed that they could. And so if Ignacio is following after Sergio, then I think millions of people are also living out this story. That instead of being grateful for what we do have, oftentimes we'll be unthankful or ungrateful, or sometimes even without even noticing it, we'll be unthankful for the things of what we don't have. If you only had that one missing thing is usually what we think. If I had that one thing, it's not even just a lot of things, but if I just had the one thing that I'm thinking of, if I had the promotion or the car or the job or the house, whatever it is, then I would find fulfillment in it. It's just the next thing up. If I just had one thing, the challenge is the more that you accumulate, the more you accomplish, the more you achieve, oftentimes the more empty it feels. If you ask people sometimes who go to the very top of their profession or the top of their game and they realize there's nothing left for them to achieve, they'll tell you how empty it all feels. The challenge is the more you become aware of the emptiness, the more impossible it seems to fill it. And so in our movie, and what it illustrates so well is the dissatisfaction that so many people feel. And maybe this morning you haven't even realized that that's what's underneath some of the discontent and things in your life. But I want you, as you see Ignacio's story, I want you to begin to experience that. Because Ignacio wants more duties. He wants more respect. He wants something more. And like so many people, he also occasionally liked to wear stretchy pants. Sancho, Sancho, when you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. It's for fun. Don't worry, I won't tell nobody. You guys know that, right? Like, it's okay. Some of you are already offended. Some of you are like, yeah, after lunch today is when I put on my stretchy pants. That's when I just... (laughs) Anyway, Ignacio was the cook at the orphanage, all right? So at this point, all he does is cook for the orphans, and he doesn't even cook that well, as we'll see in just a second. And many people might look at him and say, well, at least your work is impacting the lives of the kids. At least your work is doing something. At least you know your thing. But Ignacio was bored with it. He loved the orphans. He had a heart for them. He did genuinely love them, but he wanted something more. He wasn't fulfilled where he was. He likely felt a lot like our friend Solomon from last week. If you remember, if you were with us week one, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, I looked at everything that I had worked at, everything I put my hand to, and it felt meaningless. And a little different than last week, now Ignacio feels that same sentiment. 
that everything was meaning is like the donkey chasing the carrot. Ignacio is convinced that there is something out there that's better, more meaningful, more fulfilling to his life. He's convinced that he can find it, that he could do it. So he starts to dream of a better life. He starts to dream of what that might look like. Maybe he needs a new profession. Maybe he needs to become a luchador, a professional wrestler, to be feared and respected by everybody in town. Or better yet, instead of a new job, maybe it's a new relationship that he needs. Maybe all that Ignacio needs to feel fulfilled is a date with Sister Encarnacion over some toast. So, everyone calls you Werner. My mother was a Lutheran missionary from Scandinavia. And my father, a deacon from Mexico. They tried to convert each other, but they got married instead. And then they died. Do you enjoy yourself here at the Brotherhood? The children, I love the children. They are my heart. But to tell you the truth, the brothers make me cook, stew and stuff all day, but they don't give me money for fresh ingredients. And they don't think I know about the gospel, but I do, okay? Today, I saw a man in town. People were throwing daisies at him and giving him goodies. Sometimes I would like that kind of respect. Who was this man? Well, to tell you the truth, he was a luchador. Wrestling is ungodly, Ignacio. People cheer for him, but he is a false idol. Brother, these two shall pass. <laughs> so, even though the brothers didn't think Ignacio knew anything about the gospel, he actually did. And you'll see it pop up in the funniest parts in this movie. And listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, verse 24. He says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. It's interesting because our culture today will tell you to promote yourself, to protect yourself, to celebrate yourself, gratify yourself. But Jesus says something incredibly different. And I think sometimes we gloss over the verse Because we think we're still in this to protect ourselves, gratify ourselves, promote ourselves. Even though we read that a disciple is to deny themselves. What does it mean to deny ourselves practically? What does it mean to deny ourselves to take up our cross? Jesus at his core, he's telling us to lay down our desires, our preferences, our wants, our needs. And to take up our cross and to follow him. Now if most of us are honest, most of us don't want to die to ourselves. 
If we're honest with ourselves, if we're not putting up the facade for Sunday morning, if we're going about our day or about our week, most of us do not want to die to ourselves. We want our own preferences. We want to be at the center of the world. We want things to revolve around us. We want things to gratify us. And so when what we have doesn't satisfy, oftentimes then we'll long for something else. Is there something better out there? Is there something different that I'm missing out on? Is there something that I need to be fulfilled outside of what I already have? Is there just something better for me? Something around the corner that's going to gratify me or fulfill me? And oftentimes, if we're not careful with unthankfulness and ingratitude, forgetting the calling God has on our lives, we continue to live inwardly self-focused lives. All the time we're wondering, hoping, and dreaming that there would be what Ignacio calls a better duty. What is this? Leftovers. Enjoy. There is no flavor. There are no spices. Where are the chips? Somebody stole them. Did you not tell them that they were the Lord's chips? I was trying to. You are useless, Ignacio. Silence, brother. This is the worst lunch I ever had. Your only job is to cook. Do you not realize I have had diarrhea since Easter's? Okay. Maybe I am not meant for these duties. Cooking duty. Dead guy duty. Maybe it's time for me to get a better duty. Keeper of my own destiny. And I will have my glory day in the hot sun. Okay? See ya. You know, so many of us believe that we hold our own destiny. That we seek our glory in the hot, hot sun. That we have the hands instead of God holding our destiny. We believe that it's under our control and we try to find our lives and we actually lose them in the process. We try to grab a hold of everything we can and we actually hold nothing. It's emptiness. And maybe you've heard of the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. And so this is, this is an idea, an economist in 1896, his name was Vilfredo Pareto, which if you're having a kid, write that down, because that's an incredible name, right? I'll let you use that one for free. But he came up with this idea and this thought process that in 1896, he noticed that about in Italy, about 80% of the land was held by about 20% of the people. And he noticed a little bit further on that in his garden, about 20% of the pea pods created about 80% of the peas, 
And it's not an exact science, but the 80-20 principle has been used in so many other different areas. In fact, they say that at many organizations, 20% of the people do more than 80% of the work. And you may have noticed that in organizations or churches or maybe even where you work. Consequently, they say sometimes 80% of the problems are created by 20% of the people. Come on, you might have noticed that where you work. And so oftentimes this 80-20 principle it is useful in other areas of our lives as well. For example, when you think about it, we rarely get 100% of what we want. You may go on that dream vacation, but your plane is delayed, right? And it rains for two days and you never actually get to the destination. You may have the dream job that you always wanted, but suddenly the hours are long and the boss is hard to work for. And it's suddenly not exactly what you thought it would be. You may finally move to that city that you've been dreaming of living on and realize that the traffic is just as bad and the people are just as rude as where you left. So many times we never get exactly what we want out of things. Usually the 80-20 rule comes into play in some idea. We never get the missing 20%. And so oftentimes we'll overlook the 80% because we're dissatisfied with the 20. Oftentimes we'll miss out on the 80% in any area of life because of the missing 20. We're dissatisfied and discontent with the 80% because we're always fixated on the 20%. So what do we do? Instead of being grateful for the 80, what we do have, sometimes we'll trade the 80% for the 20. Sometimes we're so dissatisfied with the 80% we already have, we'll throw it to the side and we'll fixate on the 20. We'll trade what we have for the missing 20. You may be blessed with a spouse who hits more than 80% of all your expectations, which is incredible if you think about it. But there are dissatisfied men and women oftentimes that will trade the 80 for the 20. They'll always be looking more and they'll decide, they'll take and they'll think the 20 is where I need. And when they get there, they realize it wasn't even what they thought it was. Some dissatisfied that they'll trade. Oftentimes people who have the same is true with their job. They'll have a job that pays decently, has good benefits, kind of meets all the checks, but they're fixated on the 20%. And so they'll trade everything that they had in order to get the 20. And when getting there, they realize it wasn't what they thought it was at all. And without maybe even thinking about it, we're unaware, we're unthankful, ungrateful for the blessings God has already given us. There in the tree, the chip on nest. Here we have the corn, the best in the city. It's delicious. That is where I get the day-old chips over in the secret place. And that is a crazy lady. So, now you got a little taste of what I do. It's pretty exciting, huh? What's wrong with you? But sister, they are just niños trying to release their wiggles. Ignacio, they are wrestling in a sacred place. Okay, orphans, listen to me. Listen to Ignacio. I know it is fun to wrestle. A nice pile drive to the face. Mm-hmm. Or a punch to the face. But you cannot do it. Because it is in the Bible not to wrestle your neighbor. So you've never wrestled? Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Listen, I know the wrestlers get all the fancy ladies. and The clothes and the free creams and lotions. But my life is good. Really good. I get to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and make some soup. It's the best. I love it. 
I get to lay in a bed by myself all of my life. It's fantastic. Go. Go away. Read some books. So Ignacio does what so many of us who are consumed with the dissatisfaction of what we don't have. He pursues the missing 20%. And trying to find his life, he actually ends up passionately pursuing his glory, his fate, his free creams and lotions. He finally becomes the El Luchador. He becomes the professional wrestler only to discover that his elusive 20% wasn't even close to what he was hoping for. Tenemos a Nacho y Esqueleto. Hey! Hello! I'm talking to you! I'm a con! Send me a piece of that con! Send me a piece of that con for later! Take it easy. And I got the squeeze. Because I can't go on living a lie. Arthur Steven, I'm a friar. I'm not for that world. The orphans, they need me, and I have forsaken them. I got no groceries for breakfast because of you. I'm sick of hearing about your stupid orphans. What did you just say? I hate orphans. Say it again to my face. I hate them. Come again? I hate all the orphans in the whole world. I'm not listening to you. You only believe in science. That's probably why we never win. We never win because you are fat. So no matter what he tried, Ignacio, now with his wrestling name, Nacho Libre, still wasn't winning in life. Why wasn't he winning? He was fighting hard, right? He had an anaconda squeeze. He could have been able to win. If you think my kids don't shout anaconda squeeze all the time when they are wrestling, you are wrong, my friend. He's fighting hard, but he's fighting for the wrong things. And you heard this earlier in the movie. He's fighting for his own fame and glory. He's fighting for his day in the hot, hot sun. And maybe you can relate. You're searching and striving and fighting for that missing something. Whatever it is you're pursuing, you're going after that thing, but life still feels empty and hollowed and unfulfilled. Maybe you're fighting for the life that you want or you're fighting for the life that you think you want. You're fighting for the things, for more stuff or for more money. Maybe you're fighting for more recognition or you're fighting for more respect or more leisure, or more free time, or whatever it is. It's why Sister Incarnacion's message is so important, not only for Ignacio, but for us as well. It's why her message, both for them and for us, don't when you fight, 
Don't just fight for yourself. And if I can just kind of shift the narrative a little bit today is when you fight, you might be fighting hard and not getting what you think you're supposed to be getting. You might not be getting anywhere at all. And it may be because you've missed it that when you fight, fight for something that matters. Fight for someone who needs your help. When you fight, fight for something that lasts. Ignacio, you have a responsibility to these children. I know. Well, where have you been? I've been gone because I had a lot of churchy opportunities lately. Outside of the orphanage. Like what? Where were you last night? To tell you the truth, I went to a wrestling match. Lucha Libre. You went to watch a wrestling match? Kind of. You're a man of the cloth. Lucha Libre, it's a sin. But why? Because those men fight for vanity, for money, for false pride. Yes, it's terrible. Terrible. But is it always a sin to fight? No. If you fight for something noble, or for someone who needs your help, only then will God bless you in battle. You must pray for forgiveness. Excuse me, Ignacio. Precious Father, why have you given me this desire to wrestle and then made me such a stinky warrior? Have I focused too much on my boots and on my fame and my stretchy pants? Wait a second. Maybe you want me to fight and give everything I win to the little ones who have nothing so they can have better foods and a better life. Yeah, maybe that. Okay, if I win tonight at the Battle Jam, I will know that you bless my mission and that you want me to be a wrestling servant of you. I smell cookies. It's true. I am Nacho, the luchador. Tonight, I will fight the seven strongest men in town. Maybe the world. And I will win. Because our Heavenly Father will be in the ring with me. And he and I will win 10,000 pesos. 
And with it, I will buy the orphans a big bus to go on field trips to parks and places like that. I'm serious. Ignacio loses his life at the monastery, and he finally finds it. He decides that he'll fight the seven strongest men in town, maybe the whole world, in order to fight, not for his own glory, but he'll use what God gives him for the orphans. And I think in 60 funny seconds, this movie addresses what for a thousand years the church forgot. And I honestly believe that how our desires and our talents and how we offer them to God can either lead us into selfishness and sin, or it can lead us into gifts for the kingdom. And I think too often times we fixate on the first and we forget about the second. We constantly say how our gifts and talents must be leading us to self-vanity and self-glory. We never realize that we have been given them to use them for the kingdom of God. And the other priests, they tell Ignacio to go away so they can speak of holy things when it's actually Ignacio is the only one living out the gospel to care for the orphans. He's the only one actually trying to do what the gospel says to do. And the entire movie asks God, why did you give me these desires? Why, why did you put this inside of me? Why, why give me the desire to wrestle? Why give me those things? If you study the history of the church, there were seasons for hundreds of years where any occupation Outside of the monastery, any occupation outside of the church was discriminated against and put down and discouraged and lesser if it wasn't lining up with the religious norm. And I believe we robbed ourselves of a voice in every section and circle of society and culture. I think we murdered the idea that you could do something for the kingdom of God outside of what the religious norm said you could do. Even today, we do the same thing in professional pursuits. We feel our assignment is less in pursuing professional education or in professional occupations or even in things that we do with our hands, design and create, we feel that they are less because they don't look like so-and-so's talents. We feel like they are less because we're doing them in an office building instead of a cathedral or because we're in a teacher in a classroom or because we're in a hospital instead of in a church. And we put down those things and somehow we think it must not be in God's will. And we'll hide the talents that he gave us because they don't look like someone else's. And we'll say, well, I wish that my talent looked like so-and-so. And and -and so-and-so has this thing that they do. And -and so-and-so is doing that over there. And all I do is work here. And we'll put down the talents that God gave us instead of using them for the kingdom. Listen to me, church. The kingdom needs us all. The kingdom of God needs us all. We need teachers and programmers and nurses and carpenters and pipe fitters and lawyers and doctors and writers and authors and actors. We need all of us because God has gifted all of us to shine a light in every part of this world. That we're supposed to live our lives as lights for the kingdom. And at the risk of losing some of you today, sometimes we spiritualize it. We say, yeah, we're all part of the body, but some parts are more important than others. But the Bible says don't do that. And I think that one day 
One day when we step into the next life, when we see the rewards given in heaven, the parts that we thought were so important aren't going to be. And the parts that we put down and discouraged are going to be set on high on that day. I think that we live our lives as lights. We do what we do with what God has given us. That every one of us is called to oppose. Every one of us is called to bring a light to a darkness in this world. That we're called to proclaim the name of Jesus. Every one of us has giftings and talents to fight for the kingdom of God. I'm reminded of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, the cupbearer who is a servant to the king. And he hears that his homeland is in ruins and he hears that the people are vulnerable. He hears all of those things. So instead of continuing in his comfortable life, Nehemiah says that he sat down to cry. He knelt down to pray and he stood up to fight. And he goes back to his homeland and surveys the situation. And despite the severe opposition and obstacles that he has to overcome, he stands up in front of the people and he says this in Nehemiah chapter 4. He says, I stood up and said to the officials, don't be afraid of them that come against us. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. He says, fight for your families, fight for your homes, fight for what matters. He says, remember the Lord your God. Remember who gave you these giftings in these towns. Remember who sent us here as a chosen people. And then he says, and fight. But when you fight, don't fight for your own vain glory. Don't fight for your own vanity. Don't fight for selfishness. Fight for what matters. Fight for what lasts. And so Ignacio decides that he would not just fight for his own glory, but he's going to fight for the children to buy them a bus to go to parks and places like that. He decides he's going to fight for something that matters. Maybe for us, we need to begin to deny ourselves. Or maybe you're at the place where you need to begin to recognize God has gifted you in order to be a blessing to the kingdom. Or maybe you're at the place where you need to realize you need to fight for what matters most. To fight what actually lasts. What will you fight for? What are you going to fight for? Who will you fight for? For some of you, you're going to fight to bring someone to Christ who doesn't know him. For others of you, you're going to fight for your marriage or for the marriage of somebody that you love. Or maybe you say, I'm going to fight for somebody who's impoverished and who's hurting and who needs someone to love them. Or maybe you say, I'm going to fight against the evil of human trafficking. Or maybe for you, you say, I'm going to fight against the sin of racism. Whatever it is, whatever you do, fight. But when you fight, fight for what matters. Look again at the words of Jesus in Matthew 16. He said, disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple has to deny themselves, has to take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Dear sister, I know you probably hate my my guts by now and already believe that I must have died long ago in the wilderness. But you are wrong. I'm still alive. Tonight I'll be fighting the greatest wrestler who ever lived, the great Ramses. I know you don't like wrestling, but know that I am leaving all my monies to the orphans. And if I die in the ring, know that I always loved you as a brother in God. Ignacio. P.S. If we didn't end up taking our vows of celibacy, we could maybe get married and have a family with some niños. But you know, whatever. Hug, hug. Kiss, kiss. Hug, hug. Big kiss. Little hug, keys, keys, little keys. Maybe we should pray. Dear Lord, 
please bless nature with nutrients and strength. Amen. Amen. Listen to me, everybody. I'm not fooling myself. This is a silly movie. But it has a serious message. And so I'm wondering today, what is God stirring you up to do? Maybe it is to deny yourself. Maybe it's to deny your own preferences. It's to deny your own pleasures, your own gratification in order to do something for the kingdom. Maybe it's to recognize that God has gifted you to use it to spread the light of the gospel. Or maybe it's to stand up and to fight for what matters most. Let's bow our heads in prayer today. Father, we ask the Holy Spirit would speak the word to us to inspire us, God, to fight for what lasts. Inspire us, God, to fight for what matters most. Lord, we thank you. You're stirring us off the sideline. Lord, that you're using our giftings and our talents. You're showing us that you put us in a place for a reason. You put us in an arena, God, in a post, in somewhere for a reason, Lord, to make a difference for the kingdom. And we thank you.
that you have gifted us. That it may not look like anybody else's giftings. It may not look like so-and-so's talents. But we thank you that you have given us talents to use for the kingdom of God. You've called us to make a difference. To fight for what matters. As we keep praying today, some of you walked in today and you didn't know what to expect. Some of you watching online and you've realized that you're living your life with the world centered around you. You realize today maybe that you're far away from God. And I don't know what you may have heard about God or about Jesus. But I want to tell you today that he loves you and he wants you. And so maybe something happened in your past that made you run far away from him. Maybe you've never been close. Maybe you've never heard that he actually wants a relationship with you. But I want you to know right now that you can have that. And so every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But right now, if that's you you feel that drawing or you feel that longing, let me tell you what that is. That's God working on your heart. And maybe today, I know we laughed a lot. I know we had a great time together, but maybe there was a little something that was pulling at you, telling you there is something more. And I promise you that it's not a what, it's a who. That is Jesus Christ, that he wants you, that he gave his life at Calvary on the cross for you. And that if you open your life to him, you'll submit your life to him. You'll deny yourself like it says. You can be his disciple. You can follow after him. And the Bible says that he'll make you brand new. That he'll free you. That he'll set you free and he'll make you new. And so if that's you today, if you want that. You say, I want to I be a part of the kingdom. I want to follow after Jesus. I want to use my talents to make a difference in this world. I just want to pray with you. It's just a simple prayer of submission. I can give you the words, but you have to pray it and you have to mean it. And so here's what we'll do. The church is going to pray it with you. But right now, with our heads bowed, if you would say these words, say, Jesus, forgive me. Save me. I repent of all of my sins, of all my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. In Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. And Father, today we celebrate with those that prayed that prayer. God, we thank you for the difference that you're making. And Lord, I pray as we go out into this world, Lord, as we go to the places you have placed us, as we go out to the people you have called us to reach, help us, Lord, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow you. Help us to see our talents and giftings, God, as straight from you to make a difference in this world. And help us, Lord, to fight for what matters most. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all the church said amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together for what God has done? Listen to me really quickly before you go. If you prayed that prayer, this week tell somebody that you made that decision. Tell one person. It might be a pastor. It might be a friend. You might call someone or send them a text. Tell somebody that you've decided to follow Jesus. The rest of you guys are dismissed. We'll see you next week for week three of At The Movies.